position. Affirmative. Negative. I am the milkman. My milk is delicious. Roger that. Okay, let's go. Welcome to the Best Linux Games Podcast. Go, go, go! The best Linux games, the best games available for the uh, GNU slash Linux operating system via the mechanism and distribution network known as Steam, brought to you by Valve. After 700,000 years, the Steam has come to Linux, and beyond that, it has come to Linux in the form of the egalitarian Linux-like platform, Steam, an open marketplace in which... That's right, ladies and gentlemen, it's Saturday, and that means it's time for one thing. It's time for the podcast where the quality goes in before the name goes on. You're listening to the Best Linux Games Podcast, a companion piece to the uh, Steam group of the same name. Find us on Steam, you know, uh, join us on Steam, and friend me on Steam. My name is Scooky Sprite. I am your host. In case this is your first time here, uh, the ground rules for everything that we do are very simple. We have news. We have the latest titles that we are interested in. Of course, features, you know, like kind of in-depth looks or reviews. And then we have, of course, everyone's favorite... The deals! Uh, the best games that you can buy for as cheap as possible. If you join us on the group, our recommendations are curated with the sole criteria of... It must run on Linux, and it must be really good. These are recommendations only, of course. Uh, not complete reviews, which generally will follow, um, especially once they get some other mofos on this show. And as always, the content that awaits you ahead may not be appropriate for members of all species, races, genders, classes, creeds, and especially might not be age or work appropriate. So, it begins. Let's get the Linux gaming on, bitches! Hello, and welcome to episode 80 of the Best Linux Games podcast being recorded for you on. Uh, 2016-05-07, and we get Saturday, May 7th, at, uh, 11.57 a.m., uh, Pacific Time. Uh, a lot of stuff to talk about this week, but, uh, just want to say one thing, episode 80, holy shit! Um, just want to throw that out there. Uh, okay, so enough, enough of, you know, the, uh, the, uh, self-referential go-team-go spirit. Uh, let's get to our top stories. We only have, uh, two top stories this week. Um, both centered around, uh, the HTC Vive, which, uh, is also, um, our feature this week. Uh, my HTC Vive arrived on, uh, Monday, and we'll be talking about that in our feature. But, uh, also, uh, as a, uh, tip, whoa, hang on. I don't have this in my notes. Um, I want to say a special thank you to uh, Chris Fisher of Jupiter Broadcasting uh, for letting us on the Linux Unplugged show this week. Uh, we'll have a link to that in um, in our blurb for this week's show. Let's see, uh, jupiterbroadcasting.com. Uh, 
yeah, episode number 143 can't contain Linux. We talk a little Tomb Raider. We uh, talk a little um, HEC Vive, um, which is going to be the bulk of this week's show, actually. Um, HEC Vive. But first, before we get to that, let's do our new and noteworthy. Um, we only have one title in our new and noteworthy this week. Uh, and it's kind of, um, kind of an important new and noteworthy title. Um, Perfect Golf, the only, that's golf as in G-O-L-F. Um, Perfect Golf is out of early access and has now been rebranded as, first of all, let's have some whiskey for, uh, for, uh, episode 80. Cheers. Cheers, Ivor. Ivor Molina, crack engineer Ivor Molina over there in the booth. Uh, mm. Mm Delicious and nutritious. Um, Perfect Golf is out of early access, and it's kind of important because it's the only, um, golf game that runs on Linux that I know of. Um, and it's been rebranded as Jack Nicklaw's Perfect Golf. Um, it's $34.99. I think I got my copy when it was in early access for 20 bucks. Um, but if you did get it in early access, you don't have to pay anything to get it now. Um, I've spent about 30 minutes, uh, with it. It is a really, really awesome golf simulator. Um, it has this, uh, proprietary, uh, not proprietary. It has this unique, uh, has a unique, has a unique variety of, uh, ways in which you can control and configure, uh, your swing input. My personal favorite is, uh, it, it's called, um, I think mouse sim where, like on, for instance, on my trackball, you, you right click to start your swing, you let go of right click, you pull back and you watch your animation, uh, when your swing, you know, enters the top of the swing, that's the coil, then you want to try to bring the, um, the trackball back this, along the same path, um, at basically the same tempo as you brought you, as, as you did when doing your back speed and the path of your swing and the rate of your your swing determines the accuracy uh and how far um the accuracy the power and uh uh slice and etc and it's actually really fun it's it's pretty fun to just go to the driving range in perfect golf so perfect golf is now out of early access uh congratulations to them jack nicklaw's perfect golf um I think they've done a great job. It has built-in multiplayer, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, uh, and a lot of courses. Um, so, and it looks like they're uh, working with uh, Nicklaus Design now, uh, who designs actual golf courses, real golf courses, um, to get their input and to get you know their courses into the game. So that's that's fairly exciting as well. Uh, Linux really couldn't ask for a better. Um, a better golf game. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure how big of a demographic that is, you know, people who really want a golf game in Linux, but, uh, I, you know, that I'm a member of that demographic and, uh, it's nice to see that it is being serviced fully and well. Um, and it's a very pretty game, um, on top of that. So that's Jack Nicklaus Perfect Golf. So that brings us to our feature, uh, the HTC Vive, which arrived for me on Monday. Um, now, I have to say before we go any further that um I have I have given my list of questions to HTC 
Uh, I, I talked to their PR people. They have not gone back to me just yet. Mm. So we're just going off of what we know here. Um, you know, and I, and that's all I can say. Um, unfortunately, you know, I mean, I, I talked to them on Tuesday morning and, uh, they're, they're ferreting out the answers to my questions as we speak, ostensibly. Um, so I should know a lot more on Monday. Um, and if you, if after, after we cover, after I tell you, you know, what happened, uh, then I'll give you my list of questions actually that I have for HTC. But, uh, so here's what happened. So, um, I ordered my Vive on, uh, March 8th. So that was two, two months ago, almost to the date. And, uh, it was, uh, $925 or $950, something like that. Um, and that was not, uh, uh, that was like three days or four days after they opened up the pre-order for it. But now they're just shipping. Now they're shipping to everyone. They have been shipping for a while now. They've been shipping for like a month. Um, so I got slotted into the second, uh, stack of pre-orders and my HTC Vive arrived on Monday. So setting up the Vive is fairly it's it's kind of an ordeal because it has these two base stations that uh have to be on diagonal ends of the room about a foot above where you would be standing and have unobstructed um uh point of uh they have to be able to see each other um and they have to be angled down and so there's mounting hardware that comes with the the Vive and the, uh, so you can, you know, drill your base stations into your wall and stuff. Well, I wasn't, uh, that keen to do that just yet. I wanted to see if it worked and stuff. So it took me about two hours to jury rig, um, a setup using gorilla tape, tripods, shelving units, and, uh, et cetera, um, to make, to meet those requirements. But bam, then I had to set up all the cables and stuff, which the, the cool thing about the base station is they don't have to be connected to your computer. But they do have, they, each one does have its own separate, um, power adapter. So getting that to happen is, can be kind of tricky. Um, and it was kind of tricky in my case. Um, considering that I have a lot of shit that's already plugged in, you know, blah, blah, blah. So anyway, so I get that done and then I get, then, then it's to, then I had to get on the actual wiring of the, um, the headset and everything to my computer. That took, you know, about 20 minutes or whatever. It's really just a exercise in cable management that makes that a little more complicated depending on your setup and your, you know, blah, you know, your actual, uh, your actual play area, I guess. Um, that could be more or less difficult. Um, for me, it was pretty easy, uh, cause I have this workspace that faces out into the middle of a room. So, um, it, it was easy to thread the cables underneath my table and into my computer. Um, so now I'm getting really pumped and, uh, it, you know, the, the machine turns on and everything and the lenses aren't focused and I'm like, okay, cool. Cause this kind of mirrors, if you've been listening to the show for a long time, this kind of mirrors my experience with, um, the Oculus Rift SDK two back in the day day. So I go to, 
download the software for the live and uh, I go to, you know, htcvive.com forward slash, you know, setup. And I discovered there are no drivers for Linux. So I'm like, okay, well, I'll do it through Steam VR then. I'll set it up through Steam VR because Steam VR, that's part of Steam OS, right? You know, in Steam OS, that's Linux. So that has to work, right? No, there's Steam VR does not work on Linux right now. So basically what this means, and so then I, I jump on the internet. I, I unplug everything. I jump on the internet and I start doing some research and I find out that April 22nd, um, PC Game World or PC World, one of those websites, ran with a headline saying that the HTC Vive will no longer have Linux support on day one. And this was a not just a promise from HTC. This was not just like a rumor from HTC. This was a big part of their marketing. This was a big part of their media um, push was that Linux would be supported from day one. Linux and Mac OS would be supported from day one uh, with the HTC Vive. Um, evidently, they rolled back on that promise mm. basically two weeks to the day before my unit actually showed up. So, I was incredibly disappointed. Um, and I, like, and for, for numerous reasons, like, forgetting just my own disappointment at, like, not being able to, you know, use my Vive, because then I had to actually tear it all down and pack it all up so it can be returned, um, which was a fun process. I mean, immediately after setting this whole thing up, now I had to tear it all down and box it all up, you know, and get ready to ship it back. Which is pretty depressing. Um, but what was really disappointing for me is that this is like a huge, this, this is a huge thing for Linux for me. And now, okay. And let's get, let's get the company line straight here from HTC. What HTC and what Steam VR are saying is that Linux support is, is still planned, but it's now on the to-do list. It's on the back burner. It's, you know, right now they're focusing on getting the bugs worked out for Windows you know, what, whatever. And this is dispiriting to me because as I pointed out on, you know, the Linux Unplugged show, we all know anyone who's, anyone who's been around the block with Linux and anyone who's been around the block with software development knows what that means when something gets knocked to the to-do list. Um, especially when that item is Linux support, that to, that item on that to-do list never gets done. That item on the to-do list is forever pushed into next quarter, next quarter, coming soon, you know, we're working on it, we're working on it, till five years later, if you're lucky, literally, I'm not kidding, five years later, if you're lucky, then bam, suddenly, you know, there's support for it. Mm. Now, this differs for me from the, from my experience with the Oculus SDK 2, which was a, a thousand bucks, um... I was fine with paying my money and taking my chances with that because that was, first of all, I wanted to develop for it. Second of all, it was for developers. Third of all, they weren't promising anything in terms of Linux support. They did have a Linux SD version of the SDK. Um, over time though, like they kind of let it, you know, flounder. And then eventually they came out six months after I got mine and said, you know what guys, um, we're dropping Linux support right now. You know, we want to just focus on Windows. Well, I was cool with that. Why? Because they weren't 
making Linux central to their marketing, one. Two, they weren't uh, putting it in their sales materials for general consumer release. That, that's a huge, huge thing for me because basically what what this feels like to me is, okay, I mean, I don't want to say that I was lied to, but there's really not any other way to, to slice it because not only did they just drop Linux support from day one, they have no timetable as to when they are going to add Linux support, which means, to me, that means it's a lie. That I mean, realistically, I mean, because if you cared, you would tell me, or at least you would care enough to lie to tell me that, oh yeah, in three weeks we'll have an open beta for, you know, even if that's like, you know, just bullshit, you would care enough to lie. But they don't seem to care enough to lie. Um, they just dropped Linux support and kept shipping units. So all of that's really depressing to me. But what's really disappointing to me is that is that this was a huge opportunity. It looked like the best opportunity for Linux to have a hardware champion um, in a new field that was world-class. I mean, the HTC Vive is a world-class piece of hardware. I played with it a little bit uh, on my Windows machine, but I don't have time to play Windows games. I run this podcast. Beyond that, I have no interest in playing Windows games. My Windows machine sucks in comparison to my Linux machine. Um, and even still, like, it doesn't matter. Like, I bought the Vive because it was supposed to have day one support and it was developed hand in hand with, I mean, it's a partnership. It's not, it's not even just like a, um, it's not, it's not like a, like a, an alliance. It's an actual business partnership between HTC and Steam and Valve and Steam VR. Like they developed this thing in conjunction with each other. Um, and considering that, you know, Steam is all about Linux, uh, the fact that they can't even get their fucking shit together and come out with Linux support for a multi... I mean, this is not a joke. This is a hardcore piece of hardware. Um, and uh, to roll back on it, without even really making a statement about it, is tantamount to me to lying. Um... You can't, you, you can't do that. Uh, you really, you can't do that. And so it puts me, it put me in the awkward position of, you know, sitting here with this $900 piece of hardware thinking, okay, well, um, HTC's return policy is 14 days. I can return it anywhere in 14 days. Do I think that given the fact that it's already been two weeks and there has been no news about when Linux support is coming out, do I think that there will be Linux support within 14 days? Um, and the answer to that, of course, you know, I'm not an idiot is, you know, Bayes would say, you know, Bayes would say, no, <laughs> Bayes would say that the odds are very poor that there will be Linux support within those 14 days. So I filed for a return. I packed up everything. I filed for a return. Mm. That gives me 30 days from the time that I said that I was returning it to actually for it to end up in their offices. So I now have the rest of the month to wait for Linux support before I, I have to send it back at my own expense, by the way, which is going to be like 40 bucks. It's a huge box. Um, so 
What does so here here are my questions for Valve and or for for Valve and HTC. Um, I, I the HTC PR people have been great, by the way. <laughs> um, but these are the questions that I I I, I asked I, I asked them. They're ferreting out the answers for me as we speak. Um, ostensibly, they're ferreting out the answers for me as we speak. Um, was the decision to drop Linux? From launch, was it a market-based decision or was it a technical decision? Was the decision made by HTC or Valve or by both? Uh, the number one question, when will the HTC Vive support Linux? What's the response been like? Um, is HTC frustrated by how this reversal diminishes the trust in their product? Because, I mean, anytime you see major shifts like this in hardware platforms, um, Generally, that trust is very difficult to get back. I'm thinking of names like Sega with the Dreamcast. I'm thinking of uh, companies like Atari with the Jaguar, even though Atari with the Jaguar was great. But Sega with the Dreamcast, Sega with um, the Sega CD, Sega with the 32X, um, Nintendo, uh, you know, Nintendo's recent, you know, decade and a half history of just abandoning uh, hardware platforms. Um, how important is VR to HTC? How important is Linux to HTC? And how does it affect the release of, of this important hardware platform from a market perspective? Um, I don't they think that they're going to lose market share by virtue of how bad this makes them look. I mean, just from a PR standpoint, this makes them look, this makes the, the this makes the Vive look more like a joke. And even to people who don't care about Linux, the the talking point that yeah HTC Vive can't even develop for its own operating system, you know, is a talking point that makes you know even you know just general VR skeptics, you know, all the more powerful in terms of their dismissive you know blah. And by the way, I'm going to say that after playing a uh, tilt brush in my living room, uh, in, in my studio on my Windows machine. Um, the Vive is a magnificent piece of hardware. It is incredible. Full room VR is badass. The control surfaces, the control sticks that you use are really fucking cool. They're awesome. They're very innovative. Um, uh, the 3D, the, the sense of 3D is impressive. Um, it's an amazing, it's an amazing piece of hardware. Uh, this does not, you know, how does dropping Linux at the last minute how does that make this amazing piece of hardware? How does it affect, you know, the market's perception of it? I don't think I I can't imagine that it's that, that it's good. And uh yeah, so those are those are my th- those are my uh questions for HTC. Um hopefully I'll get some answers soon, but um the the other thing is the other thing is, and this is like kind of a broader thing about Linux and Steam and video games and why I think they're all important and why this podcast even really exists. Um, I, you know, I have a fucking tattoo of Linux. It says Linux. It's huge. It's on my fucking left arm. It's huge. What does that tattoo represent? This is what is something I was talking to, talking about to people at, um, Linux Fest Northwest. You know, it just says Linux in big fucking letters. They run vertically on, on, on my arm. 
why why do I have a tattoo of an of the name of an operating system? It's not so much about the operating system. It's about the idea behind the operating system. So the major challenge for Linux for the 20 years that I've been using it, pretty much the 20 years now that I've been using it, um, off and on, but you know, 10 years I've been, for over 10 years I've been Linux only. The major challenge has been to get new converts by making Linux look and feel more like a traditional graphical user interface desktop system. This was the dream of Mandrake that Mandrake was, you know, not humongously successful at, but for the time was tremendously successful at and was the work that was picked up by Ubuntu about, you know, eight years ago and really brought to final fruition Linux for everyone, a Linux that, you know, your mom could use. Um, now, the big challenge following that was to make Linux more popular, to really to, to show people, okay, so here's, here's my whole philosophy about gaining converts to Linux. Uh, let's have some more whiskey here, cause this is, this is a bit of a talk. And we're, we're not gonna go too horribly long this week, but I do wanna, I do wanna put this all out there in the open. You know, again, it seems like every, it seems like, you know, much like the Tree of Liberty, it must be, must be, uh, watered b with the blood of, of patriots. Well, the Tree of the Foss Liberty, you know, on this show. And since this is the 80th episode, it's a good time to bring this stuff up again. It seems like every six to nine months, uh, I have to go into a rant like this again. So, so first some whiskey to fuel the rant. Mm. Ah. Ah, the cigarette. Yes, all vices must be satisfied. So, my philosophy about gaining converts to Linux is not... It should be the same way that I came to Linux. And I came to Linux because I couldn't get my needs um, met through Windows, through any other traditional operating system. There was no iOS at the time. Um, and so... I needed more, I needed, I need more and different functionality and flexibility than I could get from Windows. Uh, and I also didn't, very much like Chris, Chris Fisher's famous, um, come to Linux <laughs> story. Um, one of my big problems was I needed a, a software key at a bad point in a reinstall. And I was like, fuck this. I, you know, it's not accepting my key. Anyway, so in terms of being so I have this tattoo for what it for what the operating system represents for the free and open source uh approach to solving problems to building an ecosystem to building communities to building better computing to um to to liberating users from their software platforms to no longer enslaving and locking in via people via proprietary useless uselessly proprietary um um, formats and licensing agreements and, and et cetera, that are basically designed to force people to not be able to share information as freely as they would like between, you know, their applications and stuff like that. And to make, uh, to make software developers a lot of money and to not be as accountable to their software as they should be. So that's the big reason why I have this tattoo. Now, I am a fucking free and open source what I'm trying to say here is I'm a fucking outspoken advocate for free and open source software. Um, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm a pretty hardcore lunatic. I will talk to anybody about it at any time, anywhere. 
you know, for any reason at the drop of a hat. Um, it's great when I'm at a bar and someone asks me, what is, what, 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 what is that tattooing? And I'm like, Oh, it's Linux. So here's what Linux is, you know, and then we're off to the races. I would love, but I am, I've always been reticent to push people towards, um, push people towards, uh, converting to Linux before they're ready. Because what the first thing I want to know is what do you what do you use your computer for? And if you use your so, you know, if you use your computer for, you know, web browsing, email, maybe some spreadsheets, some document creation, um, maybe some, you know, slide presentation, you know, preparation, then, yeah, it's time for you to switch to, to Linux and LibreOffice. You know, th- that's it. But for a long time, for a very long time, um. I couldn't recommend Linux to a huge portion of the computing using populace, which was basically, you know, p- younger people. And I'm talking about like going back, you know, 16 years ago, um, when I, you know, I was a much younger man, um, you know, when I was in my twenties and shit. And I was then actually really competent at using Linux. Um, I couldn't recommend it to many of my friends or contemporaries. Um, because you couldn't play a fucking game on Linux. You could play Tux Racer and, uh, are pretty much it. So, why did I think that Steam coming to Linux was such a humongous deal? Was it opened up gaming, not just to Linux, but that, that allows, that, that allows, you know, Linux to now compete with any, any operating system. It, also kind of breaks, kind of was the last straw to break the back of Microsoft's proprietary hold over, um, developers and graphics cards manufacturers and their drivers and stuff like that. Opening up, um, greater support, free and open source, uh, support on both the OEM side and on the developer side. Because now all of a sudden Linux had, but with Steam's adoption of Linux, it had leveraged over 40 million gamers, a market of 40 million gamers who, you know, already use Steam. And so my whole thing about converting people to Linux has always been, you don't start, if you want to actively, you know, evangelize and convert people to something that they don't already use, you don't start with the differences um, or the technical differences as to why what you want them to convert to is better, you start with how it is exactly the same as what they're using. You start with the similarities. Oh, yeah, no, you won't have to change that at all. You'll be able to use it. No, this program looks just like that program, works just like that program, only it has more features, it's better, and it's free, um, less restrictive license. And, uh, yeah, and you'll find that, you know... Um, the, the operating system itself is more stable. It's easier, you know, but, but, but you start with everything is going to look and run pretty much the same as it does now. You want to start with the ways in which it's similar. You don't want to start with, you know, oh yeah, it uses this completely alien, you know, blah, 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 you know, uses this plasma based alien technology from the future that, you know, involves nanomachines, you know, inside of your brain. You know, you don't want to start with that. You want to start with nothing is going to change for you except Everything is going to be faster, more stable, and blah. And that's, you know, and, and now that's true because the software stack is there in terms of the free, free and open source software ecosystem. Like, you know, LibreOffice is a great replacement for, um, f- for, uh, Microsoft Office. Um, 
more for whatever productivity suite iOS has, I guess. I don't know really what they have, but, um, mm. so the same thing was true about Steam. Oh, well, what's the difference between, uh, like, I have a 13 year old friend of mine who's building a new computer and he, he really wanted me to help him spec out and figure out his new computer. And he's doing it on a pretty, pretty, uh, pretty tight budget. You know, he only, he only has like a thousand bucks for the whole thing. I mean, we're talking like including mice, keyboard, monitor, uh, system case, everything. And so he's like, okay, so what's the difference between, you know, Linux and I'm like, oh, well, what operating system are you going to be using? He's like, well, I was thinking about using Linux. What's the difference between using Linux on this and using, um, and, and using Windows. And I'm like, oh, it's about $125, uh, or 40 hours of, you know, 40 hours of, uh, of learning, more or less. Um, and you can, you know, incorporate those 40 hours into your normal playtime because he really wants to build a gaming machine. And so I was like, yeah, you know, your Steam will, it won't run every single game like it does on Windows, but it will run most new games, um, and come out and it, and it will run. I know what games you play. I know you play CSGO. I know you play Payday 2. I know you play, you know, this game and that game. Um, it'll run all of those. It'll run all of those as good or better than it does on Windows. So, uh, you know, you won't have to pay a licensing fee. You will have to learn a little bit more about your computer, but that's going to be good for you in the long run, considering that you want to go into programming. Um, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. But ultimately, the biggest selling point was that it's going to look the same. You're not going to need a different Steam. You're not going to need a different, you know, thing to play your games. You're not going to need a different marketplace to buy your games. You're not going to need a different um, social network to interact with your friends. You're not going to need um, anything like that. So, all of that, all of that stuff, which I think has been leveraged with SteamOS, all of that stuff has been leading up to the, HTC, to the release of the HTC Vive, which to me was going to be like the crowning jewel in terms of presenting Linux to a huge, huge, broad base um, of people. Because yes, this runs Linux just as well as it runs Windows, but, you know, it was designed for Linux. Um, that was going to be a huge, huge thing. And the fact that they rolled back on it and then did so in the way that they did, they didn't issue a press release. They didn't, they did it in a kind of scuzzy, kind of sleazy, backhanded kind of way. Um, which, you know, has ultimately left me holding, you know, at the very least a $40 shipping bill for, you know, sending my HGC5 back. It smacks of dishonest, it smacks a little bit of being dishonest and it doesn't, it doesn't, it, it kind of discredits Steam's commitment to, um, Linux, which is very damaging and very troubling to me. Um, and, uh, it is that that's pretty much it it's very very deeply troubling to me to see that steam you know this champion uh for me and that's why this podcast exists you know to cut through because there's so many games that come out now for for linux via steam to cut through there's enough games now where we can have a, re- a weekly review show that actually you know has news and reviews and stuff there's enough stuff out there um 
So to see this fail in this particular area, even though they still say it's coming, I'll believe it when I see a timeline or when I see Linux support. Um, and then I guess I'll have to do the whole song and dance again and get a, a vibe again and, you know, blah. But right now I'm sending mine back. So uh, hopefully more details on this as, you know, we get more details from HTC uh, and, and Valve. Um, hopefully they'll be answering our questions, you know, Monday ish monday and over the next week um but yeah that's basically my bottom line on the htc vive um i would definitely not recommend getting one right now um if you want to run it on linux because it's impossible um it requires uh it requires htc's calibration software which is only written for windows um it cannot be calibrated in any other way um, cause of the base stations, cause it has full room VR. Um, so they need to either release, um, a Linux version of that software or Steam VR needs to release a Linux version of its software. And the fact that Steam VR isn't Linux compatible anymore, really, when I found that out during that setup process, that was, e- that was equally as troubling, uh, to me. Um, I mean, we all know how difficult it is when you're dealing with big problems to solve big issues like this when you're trying to push out software and stuff like that. But this wasn't just like a feature. This was, this was, you know, a promised operating system. This was core functionality. Um, to see this get dropped as quickly and as, you know, it, it's, it's really discouraging and, um, We'll see where it goes. So that brings us to everyone's favorite, uh, the deals. This week we'll do them again with Sans Music. All these deals end in the next 44 hours, so pick them up as soon as you can. Number one on our deals this week, Broforce, B-R-O-F-O-R-C-E, one of my favorite games over the last year. Um, it's 60s, it, it, it's the uh, side-scrolling uh, multiplayer uh, shooter a la Contra featuring the star action stars of every era from the last, you know, 40 years. You'll love it. It's awesome. Uh, online multiplayer compatible. 60% off, $5.99 for the next 44 hours. Um, Hotline Miami 2, 75% off at $3.74 for the next 45 hours. That's a top-down pixel, uh, kind of demi-pixel art, uh, ultra-violent um, beat-em-up. And then one of this show's all-time favorite games, uh, Shadow Warrior, uh, the... Uh, 2013 reboot, uh, or, or the, the 2010-ish reboot of Shadow Warrior, which is now 90% off at $3.99 for the next 45 hours. So get your wang on. And, uh, once again, uh, thanks for listening. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at VegasWriter, V-E-G-A-S-W-R-I-T-E-R. And check out, um, episode Oh shit, I had it ran down here a second ago. But anyway, um, check out, uh, this last week's episode of Jupiter Broadcastings, as jupiterbroadcasting.com, um, Linux Unplugged Show, the LUP Show, which I know and love. It was so great to finally, uh, get back in the mumble room there. Uh, uh, for more, uh, thoughts and et cetera about, uh, the HTC Vive uh, with me, Chris Fisher, and the man, the myth, the legend himself, Martin Wimpress, who is actually the maintainer of the distribution of uh, 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 one of the distributions that I deploy most often, Linux Mint. Uh, he basically 
weighs in saying VR is stupid, but I, di- I completely disagree with him. I think VR is going to be humongous, especially over the next three years, and uh, that these uh, two platforms, the HTC Vive and the Oculus uh, Rift, are going to be incredibly popular, and uh, they will be transformative in terms of what video games are and blah over the next five years um, and will be uh, incredibly compelling to a mainstream consumer market regardless of how expensive the hardware is even as that hardware begins to become less expensive. I mean, by this time next year, I imagine to see uh, these um, these systems at, you know, maybe half off. Maybe. Maybe. Anyway, Cheers, thanks for listening, and uh, check back next week for episode 81. 80 episodes, man! Cheers, bye-bye. The best Linux games podcast is brought to you by Blue Wizard is about to die. Now available for the first time as an ebook on Amazon.com. To subscribe to the podcast using a Linux-based podcatcher like Podracer, or to see our YouTube gameplay videos, please visit www.bestlinuxgames.com. Also, join our Steam community group, Best Linux Games, Friends Cookie Sprite, and follow him on Twitter at VegasWriter. BLGP is also brought to you by the Radio Control Room Project. For details, please visit www.rcrproject.com or rfihc.com. Zig thanks you. For great justice.